This episode may contain content that is sensitive, alarming, or triggering in nature. Please be sure to check the show notes prior to listening so that you can make an informed decision on whether or not to tune in. If you decide to skip this episode, we'll catch you on the next one. Hey guys, you're listening to Talk Space with Jen and Quee. I'm your girl, Jen. And I'm your girl, Quee. And this is our Safe Space podcast, where we talk about all things life, from professions to family to love and all the things in between. But from our perspective, of course. So grab your favorite drink, have a seat, and let's just chat. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey, girl. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we're back. I feel like. People are excited for us to be back. They um, they are responding to our posts saying that we are back. So that's awesome. Ow, I like it. <laughs> I feel special. I feel missed. Listen, y'all know we was cutting up before we got on here like we always do, but we're gonna include some of that this time. We're gonna we're gonna bring it back full circle so they can you know get a little peek of what we were doing beforehand. Okay. But in order to do that, first. You guys know that we wanted to talk about mental health, so we're definitely going to talk about that. And in order to do that, I felt like it was only right to bring in my spirit told me, the spirit of talk space. What did the spirit say? The spirit said we needed to bring in another voice. Hallelujah. Okay. And that voice is that of our resident homegirl therapist, Miss Christian Jackson. Miss Jackson, if you're trying to get healthy, and she is here with us today to talk about mental health. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey, girl. Hey, Queen. I'm excited. (laughs) I need to put that on a t-shirt. What you said, Miss Miss Jackson? If you try to get healthy, I'm here for yes. it. I like yes, it. I like it. I love it. I would buy it. Right. They're gonna be like, Who's but before Ms. we start, I'm gonna tell them. <laughs> we just have to let you know, um, Christian, that the couch crew resonated with our spirit. It made us want a crew of our own, and we are fairly jealous that we don't have like a catchy crew name for our listeners. So we're working on it, but yes. we just want to let you know that we like that. Thank okay. you. One of my friends and colleagues, slash colleagues, came up with it because, you know, we're doing all this. They teach you how to be a therapist in grad school, but nothing about being a business owner. Okay. So, of course, we're like taking all these one on one courses on how to run your business. And they're like, name your audience, make it connect. You know what I'm saying? So, whenever you guys do that, I want to be the first, just whatever you call us. I'm going to be like, yeah, this is it. I love that. I We were talking you- about it briefly and she was like the couch crew and I was like hold up <laughs> that is fire okay cool. <laughs> yeah that's the, this is the first organic feedback nobody except people who actually know me know me I've said that they liked it I'm like okay you have to say that because you know me but I thank love you that. oh, that's amazing yeah, yeah it definitely is I remember seeing a post and you had couch crew in there and it literally made me just want to sit back and talk to somebody and just, you know, just be happy and have a conversation. And I was like, oh, that's cute. I like right. Because don't yeah. that, I mean, but also I think like having a, a tag like that makes you feel like you're included in a community. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is why these celebrities do it. But I love that. I was like, dang. 
<laughs> we gotta get one. We gotta yes, get you do. Well. If, I, if I think of one, I'll just text you. Be like, this is what you think it is. <laughs> right. And just put Dude, it on our tab because I'll do it. I'll do it. We we still little. We growing. <laughs> Okay, same. Okay, y'all buy me. I'm still grown too. <laughs> All right. Um, so just to kind of bring you up to speed, the last time Queen and I were talking about this, um, we kind of opened the conversation after the big announcement was because we kind of inadvertently took a break. Right. So we haven't recorded since I think July either like the end of June or July. And it wasn't something that we planned. It wasn't something that we both, you know, said to each other, hey girl, I'm fired. Hey girl, I need a break. It was just, it just happened. And I think she kind of gave me like a little bit of insight to what was going on with her. And of course she told me, you know, about the pregnancy and everything. And I feel like I just kind of heard it in her voice that she needed a moment to kind of regroup. And I had all these different things that were coming onto my plate. And so it just kind of clicked for it to, it to just naturally and organically happen. And then that kind of brought us to this topic of mental health, because we had to take a mental health break without knowing we had to take a mental health break. And I think sometimes those are the most beautiful experiences and it can just happen and you can reset on your own. So yeah, that's where we are. And that's how we decided to go ahead and talk about this now. And I think one of the good things too about just that break in general was the fact that it didn't have to be like a dramatic conversation. Like, I think sometimes when we are going through things and we do need a break, I think we have to sit somebody down and we have to discuss it and make sure, like in that moment, it just, we we didn't need to talk about it. She knew, I knew, and it was just like we gonna we'll figure it out. It'll it'll happen to click back up when it did. And it's so crazy because the same week, like we had talked about other things, but we still never brought up the podcast. And when we finally did connect again, talking about the podcast, it was like right at the same time. So I think like we were able to get that that reset we both really really needed. So. I love you, girl. Yeah, that says um, that says a lot about y'all. I think dynamic and relationship in general that somehow just kindred spirits. You know, you know each other, and you know what each other may need your counterpart. And then, too, the other thing I was thinking of when you were talking, um, really something you said, Jen, about just the fact that it just kind of naturally happened. And then Quee co-signed saying that you didn't have to have a conversation because our bodies are going to tell us straight up. Your body will put on you, period, if you are not taking care of yourself. And so just the fact that both of your respective bodies just knew that you guys needed this time um, just to rest, mind, body, soul, spirit, all those things. And it just naturally happened. It's really a great way for y'all to model for your audience, period, that it's okay to take a break. And that if you want to be sustainable and build what you guys are trying to build, then you have to take breaks. Like you just can't keep going and run yourself into the ground. So listen, I have been in plenty of situations where my body said, sis, like you need to sit down before I sit you down. And she has, she absolutely has. (laughs) And it has not been fun, but that is one of the things I like to do in therapy. 
for my clients is help them to see that there is not only the mental health, like you can't just take care of that. You have to take care of the physical piece of it too. And so there's, that's even down to what you're eating. And so I, um, and how you're managing your anxiety. There's this really great book and I'm going to try to Google it while we're on here, but it's um, Mind Gut Health. And there's just a lot of really great literature about even what foods we need to be taking in so that we can make sure we get enough antioxidants for the brain. Like, you know, now you're carrying a little person. And so like, there's lots of things that he or she, or she he or she, he or she will need. I'm not sure if you reveal the sex, but the baby will need, you know, to make sure that she or he is fine. So here we are just making sure that the brain gets what it needs um, so that you can actually say, okay, if I am in a space where I need to slow down because my anxiety is ramping up. Maybe there's some fear. Maybe my trauma responses are happening. I need to have some blueberries. So my brain has enough oxygen and my frontal lobe will function the way it's supposed to. Like we don't really realize all that stuff goes together. And so the conversation that y'all want to have tonight, I think is really important because I think it's, we need to make those connections and know that you can't do one without the other. It's all connected. We literally have one body <laughs> physically. <laughs> Whatever happens to spirit and all that, you know, depending on how you um, you roll in the spirit realm and how you interpret that is up to y'all. But we ain't got but one body job. And it's just, this is it for right now, at least for right now. You know what I'm saying? So we got to try to take care of it. So I'm ready to get into it. And I say so, Christian, I just want to go ahead, Queen. No, I was just about to say, um, and my mind and my body was like, girl, go on some <laughs> Well, I just want to know, Christian, um, were you reading my notes? Because I literally, in my notes, have the emotions, the physical health, and the mental health are all tied together, and you cannot separate one without damaging the other. So I just need to know if there's a camera, because I'm not wearing again, any pants. Again, it's just that kindred spirit situation. You knew. Okay. You knew. You she knew had to know, because can't nobody read your handwriting on them notes. <laughs> Listen, you know what? I'm going to take that because it's my time for you to come for me because last episode I came for you. So I'm going to say this about my notes. My notes always start very neat, right? They start when my thoughts are organized and I'm like, yes, I want to make sure that I talk about this and we need to discuss this. And then I'm like, oh, wait, but then there's this and then there's this and then there's this and then there's this. And so, you know, that overactive brain, there's a natural progression of... <laughs> the handwriting and the how legible it is. You can always tell when I wasn't um, all over the place with my thoughts because my handwriting is super neat and super organized. And then when thoughts start popping in, you know, it gets a little, a little chicken scratch adjacent mm. and that's mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> Cause that's my business. Okay. Mine, the one that pays you because my handwriting don't pay you. <laughs> valid you got me <laughs> all right so with that said um one of the things that stuck well there's a couple of numbers and figures that stuck out to me and I definitely want to get your opinion or you guys' opinion on that so the first one is that one in four people that identify as black or african-american um are facing a mental health issue but only one in three of those people actually seek help. Um, 
And that's a, that's a, that's a pretty, like, that's a big percentage of people. Let's just say that, that are, that are experiencing something. And then even a less percentage of people that are actually going to get help. Um, and so that kind of leads into the segue of the stigmas that are surrounding this mental health issue. And I think I didn't realize until I started doing the research for this particular, excuse me, episode or series, I did not realize how many people of color think that therapy or mental health issues are something that we do not experience. When in fact, we are probably one of the largest demographics that do experience it for a number of reasons that some of which have nothing to do with what we are going through today and what we have been through ancestrally. So I just kind of want to get your feedback on that. Oh, that is a loaded statement question. (laughs) All the things, okay? So I, I first want to go back and say that when we are talking about numbers and research and presenting those to people, when I'm doing like presentations and teaching, like you already probably know, numbers are underreported. So those numbers are already high, okay, that you are, that you already gave us. And then we sit here and say, well, likely those are numbers that are people who have a took the survey because maybe there was an incentive and they went, it was self-reported, um, and they decided to just it was skewed the results were skewed meaning they weren't really truthful because they didn't really want to self-disclose for fear of like you know somebody thinking that they're crazy which is part of the problem um or if they did actually get to the doctor there are many people who don't get to a doctor or a psychologist and I know we're probably talking about this later there's access to care that issue right there so you won't probably get to get those results for a test unless you get to the person so the numbers underreported. There's so many different things. I just want people to understand that the numbers that <clears throat> that Jenna already gave us are astronomically high. It's ridiculous, and there are so many factors that we need to consider. I think the point that I think people know being black is hard. Period. The end. It's a thing. Okay, <laughs> we have gone through so much crap generationally. Even if you're thinking about like epigenetics and how a lot, just very, very generally speaking, this is not the the crux of what epigenetics is, but basically how we carry trauma in our DNA. But go and Google it, EPI genetics, all one word, and you can see the research that's associated with all the different nuances that come from generations five, six, ten years ago, or I mean generations ago all the way down to here. There's so many things we're teaching people. There's a nature versus nurture argument. So am I dealing with a mental illness because it's genetic? Like literally passed down in my DNA coding? Or is it because I was raised by a super anxious parent? You know, like who was scared to lose her child because generations before, you know, you protect your kids because you might lose them to the system or, you know, the government or, you know, slavery. Like you go all the way back there. So there are just so many things that we know. And I think it kind of goes without saying that are just stacked up against people of color that really have unfortunately skewed our view of how we can have a natural, healthy outlook on anything, whether that be relationships, 
the ceiling we put on ourselves? So is there a poverty mentality that we've adopted? Um, when I was doing treatment in the very beginning of my career, I was working with teenage boys, um, Black teenage boys. Um, and a lot of them would say, you know, well, I, I'm, why are you talking to me about college? I don't even think I'm going to make it that far. So <laughs> I'm going to do me on the street and I'm going to keep moving because that's really all I know. So what are these people seeing? Um, that we're treating. I have to consider that when I'm doing a whole cultural kind of background on them and getting to know who they are. And to that point, culture is not just about race and ethnicity. What is the socioeconomic status of this particular person? Like, are they from one side of the track versus the other? Or is it that I have um, indigenous roots? Because that's a whole different sector where we're thinking about people of color um, our Native American brothers and sisters interpret mental health in an entirely different way. They have an entire different um, view spiritually. Spirituality and religion are also part of culture. So when we're looking at mental health, a lot of what we've been doing better about in the field are having conversations like these, but especially about really identifying implicit biases, which are just like, what is it that I may be kind of um, and overlooking because I'm a person of XYZ background. Like, am I prejudiced against this person because of the way that I see the world because of my background? So what are your values and how does, how does that impact the way that you see the world and treat people? Um, and just because I'm a woman of color, a black woman, um, I don't assume that other black women that come to me is sis. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't just do that. I can't assume that she's going to be okay and I can talk to her any kind of way because they say all skin folk ain't kin folk. That's what, I, that's what we say. I don't know if it's like a Southern thing. I don't know. But, you know, I don't make those assumptions because I have another sister coming on my screen when we're doing therapy. I have to understand her experience is hers and it's unique. So that is how, that's the, those are the conversations we're having when it comes to multi, multiculturally competent counselors that's a mouthful but you know we have to consider all those things because the world the climate the terrain of therapy is changing black people are getting a lot better at going to therapy and accepting that you can have the lord and a therapist but there are still so many things that we have to overcome too um I know I just said a lot but I really want to jump on your points because you have so much here there's there's a lot listen why just we really need to release the video one day because y'all I'll be giving all the faces but everything you said really touched base and it's like I can only imagine as a professional who are having to service all of these different areas and still keep your biases at a at bay if you will like you said everyone's experience even if you do come across I mean and we've talked about that when we've spoken before the three of us all black women all identify as black women but our thought process is completely different on things. Some things we can relate with others. We just are different. You know, we have different views on it. And I think sometimes even myself outside of just discussing mental health, I find myself being very biased to things that are Black women driven. Um, and y'all couldn't see me, but when she said, all skin folk ain't your kin folk, honey, <laughs> they aren't. I mean, just to be clear, they are not. <laughs> but just being able to deal with that, and even in as we talk about our culture, I mean, 
we've spoken briefly on it, um, G and I, going to therapy in our family is like kind of taboo. Like, you don't need therapy. That's what the Lord is for. Okay, th- the Lord is there. Okay, we yeah. definitely don't use the Lord, but I, I need somebody who's going to help me get this mental together, though. Like right now, someone who's tangible, right now. today. I need somebody to tell me, girl, you are a little crazy. You might need to work on it. You might need to pray a little more, you know. <laughs> but for real, that's that's realness. And big shout out to you, Christian, and any professionals that you work with who are able to keep those biases at bay while you're serving your community as far as doing what you do. Because for me, y'all, I just Y'all don't want me to be out there because I'm going to give you the black woman point of view and that's it. No, man. No, man. That's not your blessing. I love you to death. We all have a lane. I have learned this in my own age. And um, that that ain't that ain't ain't your blessing. Now listen, Uh they say you you get what you pay for. Y'all want the discount great value version of what Christian giving out? Call me. Listen, I swear, okay, let me just say this because Queen, we already know like we have a connection, like we bounce off of each other and everything on a regular basis. Guys, this isn't just the podcast, we're like this in real life. This is how she and I communicate on a regular basis. But to have Christian in this dynamic is amazing to me because I swear. I prepped and prepped and prepped and wanted to make sure that I had everything that I wanted to discuss. Honey, we done already got through the three pages touching on the topics that I wanted to talk about because everything was on here in terms of spirituality and, you know, how that takes precedence over what you were saying, Christian, is something tangible here on earth and how people, and I don't think I, have, I don't think anyone ever said to me that's what we have the Lord for, but I feel like people don't always tell me exactly what they're thinking because they know that I will, um, I, mm, I will control all, delete the conversation real quick and <laughs> tell them to get their lives together because I didn't ask for their opinion. So um, while I never heard that statement, thank the Lord, because I probably would have lost it on somebody. I know that it's definitely out there, right? Like you don't need this. You just need to pray about it. You just need to pray about it. But um, the Lord made the therapist. Did he not? So if he made something, why would you not utilize the resource that he gave you? Because, okay, so I know people are going to talk to me, but this is how I feel. God was sitting up there and God was like, oh, these people are wearing me out, honey. Like, I can't anymore. I'm going to need a little bit of help because they're getting on my ever-loving nerves. And I'm tired of telling them the same thing over and over again. So he made therapists. And I feel like you got to use what the Lord gave you. That's just me. And I know people don't come for me, but I don't care. I agree with you. That's totally facts. I like that picture that you painted of God sitting up there like, you know what, let me sprinkle a little therapist down. Yes. I like it. He had a little he had a little cup beside him. We're not gonna say what was in the cup because that's his business. But he had a little cup and he was just like, These humans are disrespectful and getting on my nerves and I'm tired of dealing with them. So I'm gonna need a little bit of help. But I don't think yeah. the Lord gave it to me directly. I think I found it on the ground. So again, if you need the great value version of what Christian is giving out, call me. I'm mad we still on the great value version. Not the hood, not the hood adjacent, not the backwoods adjacent. 
the great value version. That's all right. That's all right. I don't, Christian, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to come to you. Unless I'm ready to pop off and then I'm going to go to Queen. And, and you know, not for nothing, y'all, mm. Queen is an amazing person. She is really, really is. She will definitely tell you what you need to know to get yourself all the way together. But it's going to be in a different capacity. I remember, I think it was this past week, I was like, Queen, let me get your opinion on this. Blah, 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 blah. I told her what it was. And she was like, girl, I don't know why you came to me. Because <laughs> I'm going to tell you all the way the truth. And I was like, she's right. I probably shouldn't have gone to her with that. But um, she helped me get my, my situation all the way right. And I did exactly what needed to be done. And then I shut it down. But yes. All right. So that's not what they're here for. Okay. Let's get back on topic. Let's get back on topic. That's what else. Um, <laughs> Christian, you also touched on something as far as like the young Black male having a very... I guess for lack of a better way to say it, a very limited viewpoint about where his life can possibly go. And the reason why I wanted to bring that up is because, one, in 2019, and I don't know if you know this, but suicide was the second leading cause of death for Black people ages 15 to 24, and Black males are four times more likely to commit suicide than Black women. That is crazy to me. Yes, I, I literally just did a two-day suicide prevention summit, and those numbers are about the same. Um, surprisingly, the pandemic doesn't have much to do with it. Suicide rates as a whole are dropping, but you don't think about Black people killing themselves. And that is another huge piece of this conversation. I'm so glad you guys are talking about it. First of all, you know, we're talking about the stigma of mental health and black in the black community. And black people, we don't do that. We don't try to hurt ourselves and kill ourselves. When the numbers are right there, and again, numbers are underreported, there are so many different factors that go into someone making a decision to end their lives. That none of them know any color. None of them. And so one of the interesting things that I took out of that summit was the one of the number, the top, I would say five factors that they found as far as um, why someone would um, want to die by suicide. Now we say die by suicide. We don't say commit or complete. We say people die by suicide. Then um, the top narrative is I'm a burden. And if you think about what Black men have been seeing on television, such as the execution of George Floyd, RIP, then translate that into what a young Black man would consider himself to be after seeing something like that. What would he say about the value of his own life? and how much this may be connected, especially for young boys whose brains are not fully developed, and we know kids don't know how to properly conceptualize things, then my son, who's 10, and our four-year-old, um, well, we have conversations about race and things like that, and how we have to have the extra conversation with our Black boys, then all a kid is going to see is like, well, dang, it's, it's our fault that all this commotion is happening on tv me being black 
Like, really? And I'm a boy, mommy? You mean I have to consider that people may not like me for that and I might get killed for that? Like, that seems like, well, I might as well, for some people who don't have the proper protective factors in place, like family and, you know, friends and maybe like a, a good, co- a good uh, relationship with their higher power, then that can be a dangerous combination for them to see my life is not worth anything. And me um, being born, some family dynamics, of, of course, you know, you see mama working 12 hours and mommy or daddy may see the wrong thing. And it may be, oh, gosh, I'm so sick and tired of working these 12 hours to work, you know, pay for you and all the stuff you got going on. For a kid, that's a lot to hear. And so when you think about the younger end of those numbers and the, the amount of parentified boys, meaning those kids who are forced, for lack of a better term, or at least burdened with the responsibility of being the man of the house, and that's a whole different podcast, yeah. But like that is a lot for a kid to take on. Like now I'm a burden on my mom and now I have to do this. And I'm just going along in that vein of one of the top couple of um, narratives, like I said, contributing to suicide. And for black men, if all you see is hardship, then for those young men, it's really hard for you to see anything outside of that. That's why the ceiling is almost something to look forward to. Oh, I'm not going to live past 20 years old anyway. Whew. I mean, that, that could be a relief. So when when young men say these kinds of things, what what is the message behind what they are actually telling you? And so one of the things that I would love for us to do as a people is to say the hard things. And when I was in grad school, that was, I know I was not the only one, but it's so hard in the beginning to have those suicide assessments and outright ask somebody, do you want to die today? do you have a plan like do you have access to a firearm for what we need to also put out there is that men are more likely to um die by suicide than women just period they're going to complete the task more than women will um and usually it's by a firearm and um i actually have a really good friend of mine who has another friend whose son 16 years old shot himself and he didn't make it um, and so that happened like probably three weeks ago. And that was a whole different family issue that he was dealing with. But we have to nurture our boys and tell them things that they probably are not hearing every day. And that could be, hey, man, are you are you having such a hard time that you want to kill yourself? Like, do you want to die today? Like, we have to have those hard conversations and not feed into that ignorant narrative that says if you ask that question that they're going you're putting the idea into their head because that's not true they've likely heard that before and have already been thinking about it so by us bringing it up it's it's a relief it's like oh you see me and I think that's really part of what I'm hoping people will get out of here in this conversation as far as breaking the stigma us talking about it period is going to be a huge relief for people because we're empowering one another to be able to say yo sis like are you okay or I noticed you acting a little off like we don't have to say hey are you experiencing symptoms of generalized anxiety disorder and let me go down the DSM-5 criteria no sis like if you're breaking down and there's something happening or bro like what what's going on with the way you just kind of blew up or you're not usually like, like that you're not usually if <laughs> you don't usually pop off with people like that those are signs of mental health illness disorders right all the symptoms so I don't, even when I'm doing an assessment myself, 
and I'm talking about these symptoms, I don't say it the way the DSM says it because we don't talk like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So us having the conversation and being able to recognize those things, even down to what PTSD and trauma is, there are so many things that I hear a lot of my um, Black clients say that they don't even realize are traumatic things. And I guess, you know, I'll stop there, I guess, because I just want to check in to make sure I'm on the right track. There's a lot going on when it comes to Black males and the gaps that we are actually letting our young boys fall through. Um, and I've actually done some work with one of my friends so that we can try to capture those things. We developed a screening tool. It's Have y'all heard of the ACEs? Y'all know what the ACEs are? The Adverse Childhood Experiences? Have y'all heard of that? So um, that was actually written and de well, developed by people who were really only targeting the problems of white people, Kaiser Permanente. Like they're the only ones who are gonna be covered by Kaiser over there in California. And they'll tell you on the website that they only chose those eight to 10 ACEs based on what their uh, beneficiaries were saying, which are all very valid. And I, I love that the ACEs brought the conversation forward for us to be able to identify these traumas. Um, but it doesn't capture the experience of black and brown people. And so my friend and I developed the white mantra. It's called the Young Men of Color Trauma Assessment. Um, based on a professional develop development that we do at conferences and stuff, we got one coming up in November. It's called Boys in the Hood. And we specifically talk about how trauma impacts black and brown boys and their families. And we're talking to the professionals who are treating these young men um, whether it's therapy or case management services, help them find housing or school stuff and advocate for them with their POs or whatever the case is. Um, because the people that are treating our black boys are white people. And, you know, we have to be able to get everybody on the same page. If this is going to be the population at your agency, let's talk about it. And they love it. They invite us all the time. And they're just like, we just really want to make sure that we're having these conversations and that we're talking to these families. <laughs> and we know what that means. I'm in South Carolina. But I don't even give them the side eye about that because I'm thankful that you want us to come in and talk to you about how to relate to a Black family. It says a lot about um, the direction that we're going in mental health and people are finally seeing us as um, beneficiaries who need just as much support as the white man who easily accesses these things, so. And I think even with us talking about, you know, young black men I think also it's worth noting that for the first time and I'm not going to say the first time because we can't say that these things didn't exist in back in the day but I think now with social media and the internet and the influence that those things have I think that people um, are willing to explore those options so the young men, young Black men who are struggling with their sexuality identification or their gender identification. And I think that that's also just a big, a big thing. I was actually having a conversation with one of my coworkers and um, they are Black, but they are a Hispanic family. And she was telling us how she ended up having to go do her own mental health evaluation on how to help her son and he told her that I am struggling because I like boys more than I like girls. And she said that she had to go to therapy to be able to navigate on how to help him get through that. And good for her. That is good. in the conversation, he told her that 
because he didn't so much identify with the boys in his class and that he identified more like with the girl mentality in his class, they were calling him names and they were bullying him. And she asked him, you know, she asked him that question, if he ever thought about killing himself. And that is scary it to is. think of an 11 year old, somebody who like me thinking back to me at 11, like, mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever thought, I don't think I can, I mean, I can't remember, but I don't think I ever had that thought. And so to think about somebody at 11 who told his mom, yeah, because I don't want to go to school and get picked on. Now, of course that brought out the mama bear in her, but at the same time, you got to help your kid navigate through that. So I think also with the generations that are coming forward, we have to be able as adults to be able to help them to navigate through all of those things as well. And specifically in the black community because again that's another thing that's really looked down upon in the black community like you cannot be comfortable being who you want to be and I commend parents who seek the type of mental health guidance to deal with that to be able to accept that you don't have any influence over that you can't you know whoever your child is to be is who they're going to be and you can't control that, you know, and that doesn't need to weigh so heavily on your mental health. And she was saying that that was one of the things that her therapist was telling her that you've done everything that you can, and there's no way to say that that's the right way to live. But just being able to have that conversation with her kid to be open and find that out, like it makes you think about, have you done everything that you could have possibly did to even avoid them feeling that way? You know, so I thought just kind Mm -hmm. of piggybacking off of that, with black males, you know, because I know that sometimes that's a struggle, you know, not just for males, but just in the black community in general. So being able to to have someone to reach out to a professional to reach out to about that and how to navigate through that with your child is important too. So really that's scary. But boys in the hood, that's really dope. I, I'm proud thank of you. you. Thank you. <laughs> Listen, again, thank you for those people in the community doing that type of work who are really making sure that for people of color that there are programs that are being pinned down to specifically support what we are and how we are and our culture and that's really dope Christian thank you shout out to Tina Phillips my partner I love her she's a licensed social worker um and we've been doing that training since 2019 um because and and to me I think all the different organizations who have requested that we come out and do the training and of course virtually the last year or so um they 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 are I think recognizing that treatment has to look different like we have to have specific treatment and that it's only fair and to me I'm just like oh my god yes come on let's get it because you're recognizing that the old ways don't work anymore or that you need to update the old ways which I think says a lot about the clinicians who are in the area um I think I want to say this too when it comes to um race racial tension especially in the mental health field um there are people who would hit me up and say I'm looking for a black therapist I'm like okay that's great I I don't I know plenty of adult black therapists I can put you down but my therapist is white um, it just happened to be that I was like, let me just, you know, sit on Kim's couch, see what's up. And she has really, she's helped me through a lot of my daddy issues. Y'all know I wrote the book on daddy issues. And she's the one who helped me get through it. Didn't matter about the race. Um, 
I'm not going to say that there are some things that I'll just like, maybe I'll go to my homegirl about I'm not saying that because I have to also be comfortable sharing some things with her, but I, I tried her out and whatever she didn't know, I was able to share. Um, I have some friends who are just like, I don't feel like explaining myself when I go to a white person. I just don't feel like doing that. To me, I find value in that process. We call it processing in therapy. And so sometimes when I say things out loud, then when you hear it kind of play back, it's like, oh, well, <laughs> that don't make no sense that this person didn't like me because of A, B, and C or whatever it was. I might have made this up in my head. Um, I can see that there's definitely value in talking to our own people about certain things. Um, I can get a lot out of talking to another Black therapist, but I don't want us to put ourselves in a box when it comes to the care that we can get. Um, and that's one of the biggest things I always tell people is like, your, your therapist does not have to be Black. They don't have to be. Um, but of course, if you are more comfortable that way and maybe the way your trauma set up, you prefer a Black person, <laughs> like I get it. But don't put yourself in the box if you know that White Lady Jane is a certified EMDR therapist, also doing hypnotherapy, blah, blah, blah. And you don't have access to a Black one. Listen, if you want the care, the best care, and you want to try to get access to it, figure it out. And then, of course, there's a school on the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, spectrum on the school of thought of, I don't want no white people playing in my head like that. Like, I do get that. <laughs> I do get it. But at the very least, you know, put yourself out there and figure out what you need um, and don't put that that limit on yourself. I really think that 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 challenging piece could be part of your breakthrough. Um, I think that's just important for us to say. Don't limit yourself, people. But it's okay if <laughs> your therapist is white. It's fine. <laughs> I love Kim. Okay, I need to call her. Now I think about <laughs> Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Make sure you follow us on all social media platforms at Talkspace Jen and Quee. We'll talk to you guys on the next episode.